0: United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of
1: the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, and we have five great guests today. We kick off with longtime Soccer America editor, Paul Kennedy, who does a great job in plain English, breaking down the new collective bargaining agreement between Major League Soccer and the Major League Soccer Players Association. Then we meet another member of the most recent United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame class, its longtime Colorado College head coach, Horst Richardson. After him, we meet the United Soccer Coaches National High School Assistant Coach of the Year, Brian White. And we wrap up by meeting two more members of our 30 under 30 class, Jacqueline Herrera and Sonia Bosma. That's our show and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap.
0: Does managing your club or league feel like a second job?
1: This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, and we're kicking off the show with one of my all-time favorites, the longtime editor-in-chief with Soccer America, Paul Kennedy. Paul, welcome to the show. To today. Paul, I wanted to have you on so we could get our hands around the new MLS collective bargaining agreement. And you had a great article in Soccer America today, your almost daily outlet. And I do at the end, I want people to know how they can sign up for that, by the way, Paul, because it's fantastic. I look forward to it. But there's seven key points of this new Major League Soccer collective bargaining agreement. And I want to hit all seven of them. Is that okay with you?
2: Sure. I'd love to do that for you.
1: All right. Awesome. Your number one is MLS got what it wanted, a two year extension. Break that down.
2: For a little background, last year at this time, MLS and the Players' Association were bargaining for and agreed to a new agreement that covered the years 2020 to 2024. And within a month, the pandemic hit. So soon after that, the league shut down. It's clear that MLS was going to be in a very tough position, not being able to play, not being able to play with fans in the stands. And so because the agreement had never been actually signed, meaning the the lawyers have done all their work and the owners have never signed it, went back to the bargaining table reached a new agreement that extended the agreement one year. That new agreement included a clause called a force majeure clause, which says that if some catastrophe happens, the agreement can be uh, renegotiated, which is what happened. And now the owners went back and asked the players to extend the agreement two more years. What that really does is it gives the owners some certainty going into the future, now eight years versus the original five, that they know what their labor costs are going to be going through 2027.
1: Okay, point number two, MLS gave players what it said they wanted. What is that?
2: MLS's position when it presented its proposal to the players was that last year, as part of that renegotiation, players took a 5% pay cut for 2020. And that was one of the big sticking points. The players weren't happy having to take a pay cut. And MLS said that in their new agreement that they were working with, that they would not ask that the players take a pay cut in 2021. Instead, they wanted the players to accept no or minimal pay increase in the next year. And down the road after that, there would be some savings for the league. Point number
1: three, MLS got almost three years of no pay increases. Break that down.
2: Last year, when the players and the league renegotiated their agreement, they agreed that 2021, this current year, even though the players didn't have to take a pay cut, or now they won't have to take a punch, but they didn't get a pay increase either. Next year, the increase in the salary spend, which is a term for sort of the, the base money that MLS teams spend, was going to only, only go up $100,000 out of, you know, a $10 million spend so that in effect, MLS over the next, or from 2020 to 2022, doesn't have to uh, spend extra money in terms of the, its its core spending. Point number four,
1: MLS got big savings in
2: later years. You know, when you uh, have no pay increases for two years, and then when MLS negotiated with the players for far out 2026, 2027, which never had been negotiated, they gave the players a nice increase, but it's the last year of the agreement. So the point is, is that in the meantime, each year the agreement is, uh, each year of, of spending is going to be significantly less than was originally bargained for. And that adds up if it's if that happens in the early years of agreement, not in the, the last year of agreement like this one.
1: Well said, point five, salary is only one form of compensation. What does that mean?
2: That, you know, MLS players get a salary to get bonuses, which can be for things like team success, individual success, say making a... The MLS best 11, Um, they also get, you know, 401k contributions and those remain the same. MLS in its original agreement with the players said that uh, when the league goes about negotiating a new TV deal, if the TV deal is much greater than the current deal, that the players will uh, get a portion of that money. That was renegotiated a little bit and the percentage that the players get is down from 25% in the first couple of years to 12.5, so uh, it's still there. Obviously, it remains to be seen what that TV deal is and how how well MLS does in its negotiation with its national TV partners.
1: Point number six: new minimum salaries in MLS.
2: One that's been one of the contentions of the league, you know, about the league all over the years is it has quite low minimum salaries. Those salaries are now increased depending upon where the player falls on the roster, whether it's a uh, you know, this is some arcane stuff, but whether it's a, a senior player or a young player who could be like a rookie out of college with no experience, by the end of the agreement for all but a few players, the minimum will, will now be hitting close to 100000 which, you know, probably a decade ago, there were players making like 12000
1: Breaking down seven key points of new MLS collective bargaining agreement, the final one, number seven, new free agency rules
2: mls has a form of free agency for players who want to move from one team to another it was added in 2015 it was modified in the agreement they reached last year and again this time a little bit so that if a player is 24 and has been in the league for four years that player can seek free agency that will cover any number of players but say if you're a young player a lot of players come to league now are teenagers. It will still mean it's probably after your second contract that you can uh, take advantage of this new rule.
1: Paul Kennedy breaking down the major league soccer and the major league soccer players association and how they reached an agreement on a third collective bargaining agreement. Finally, Paul, you're a hall of fame writer, a hall of fame editor, United soccer coaches on January inducted three more into the hall of fame, the late great Ziggy Schmid, Joe Pallone and Horst Richardson. Horse is coming up next. I wanted you to touch on Ziggy and then finish with just a comment on the success horse
2: had, you know, Ziggy is someone who, I got to know through the years and one of the, you know, nicest people I ever met in soccer and his contributions at all levels, college, later on the pros, working with national teams, often as an assistant or as a, uh, with a youth team was really quite significant. And he was the consummate soccer guy who loved soccer, loved talking about soccer, loved going to games, uh, you know, you know, really, uh, an epitome of what you wanted—someone who loves the game. Ports Richardson was, uh, you know, one of the greatest small college coaches in college soccer. He coached at Colorado College, which, on the men's side, is Division Three; women's side, it's Division One. You know, Colorado College was one of the great pioneer programs of, of soccer in the. You know the western part of the U.S., especially in the Rocky Mountains.
1: That's a great setup. Horse Richardson is up next. Paul Kennedy with Soccer America. Thanks for kicking off the program.
2: Sure, you're very welcome.
1: And before we go to Horse and take a quick break, those interested in receiving Soccer America today, almost daily, go to SoccerAmerica.com and click on Pro Membership at the top of the page. Thanks again, Paul Kennedy. Coming up next, United Soccer Coaches Hall of Famer, Horst Richardson. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts and it was one of the best weeks in soccer I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the digital convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org. That's right. You can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer. And again, visit UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. If you've been listening to the show the last several weeks, I've been recognizing all of those great people that receive prestigious awards. It's hard to get better than going in to the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. We were able to talk to Joe Pallone's son. We were able to talk to Ziggy Schmidts, two of his boys. Now we actually get to talk to the one and only Horst Richardson, the third member of this year's United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. Richardson was the head men's soccer coach at Colorado College for 50 years, where he compiled a 567, 304, and 71 record. His 567 wins were the third most in NCAA Division three and the sixth most in all divisions of the NCAA at the time of his retirement in 2014. He led the Tigers to seven conference championships, 19 NCAA tournament appearances, and a spot in the semifinals in 1992 a five-time United Soccer Coaches Regional Coach of the Year. Richardson was the recipient of the 2017 Honor Award. He also received a letter of commendation in 1997 and won the 2001 Bill Jeffrey College Long-Term Service Award. And Horace Richardson is kind enough to join me now. Horst the digital convention. We saw you there at the Garden of the Gods. I used to live out there in Colorado Springs. I used to actually play basketball at Colorado College with Kevin Payne and the U.S. soccer staff. What a great way to celebrate going into the Hall of Fame at the Garden of the Gods. Who thought of that? That was really cool.
3: It was um, a heck of a backdrop, no doubt. And it was actually uh, Jay Engeln's idea. Jay, uh, of course, former president of the association, played at Colorado College, was a distinguished educator in Colorado Springs and knows the area well. And we tried, obviously, to do it at Colorado College on the soccer field, overlooking the front range. Yet with COVID and restrictions on campus, there is simply no visitors allowed, not even <laughs> distinguished visitors. <laughs> so we had to come up with a backup. And so Jay and our sports information director, David Reed, decided what better way to look over the Garden of the Gods with Pike's Peak in the background. It's a stunning background. I mean, you you can't beat it. And so to receive the physical award there from Jay was very, very special. And to have uh, my family there, especially my wife, Helen, who allowed me to do all sorts of things (laughs) to uh, become somewhat known in the soccer world in the U.S. I've been blessed not just with the scenery in the background, but with um, obviously a lot of folks who helped me along the way.
1: Yeah, I like that. I've mentioned it before when I interviewed you. That touched my heart how you always recognize your wife. It touched my heart at the honor award how emotional you got when you thought about your wife. I've only been married 26 years. You've been married how many years now, Horace? Well, it's going on 53. Yeah, 53. And I feel like every year it gets better, right? You're enjoying it.
3: Well, can't beat it. I mean, (laughs) you know, Helen is... (laughs) always right behind me or next to me, or maybe sometimes even ahead of me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When you got the call and you've already been in the honor award, when you got the call for the hall of fame, you wear it on your sleeve horse. And I think that was part of the reason your teams had so much success. Were you emotional? What did it mean to you?
3: Well, I pulled up the email that I got from, I think it was, uh, probably Steve Veal allegedly wanting me to stand by for a call about a project I was involved in, in Taos, New Mexico, at the Native American Pueblo, the Taos Pueblo. That was years ago. And we, you know, supported them with Colorado College soccer clinics and some volunteer work. And so, you know, they they allegedly wanted to uh, get some reaction from me about, I don't know, committee work probably <laughs> through the foundation. But it was pretty bogus. But, you know, I had no idea that, other things were coming. And so when Ray and um, Jack Huckle and and then um, Kevin let me know what it was really about, (laughs) I mean, I just, uh, I was was stunned. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was obviously emotional, as you say, tears came to my eyes and I kind of really choked up, you know, because to be uh, thus recognized by members of this uh, wonderful organization that I've belonged to for a long time it was um, incredibly stunning, uh, rewarding, flattering. I was so grateful and so choked up. I mean, for a while, like, like I couldn't even say anything. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I was, uh, I was just undone. Really, kind of had to settle. Down and settle in when they started telling me all the specifics. You know, yeah, it um, was an incredible early Christmas gift.
1: Of course, obviously, you're keeping up with the times because of the pandemic. You're right and ready on the Zoom, and you were able to watch the convention digitally. And you had some nice comments before we went on the air. Talk about how much you enjoyed the digital convention.
3: First of all, the technology, as I said, was absolutely impressive to be able to stage such a huge event, which we've all become accustomed to, familiar with, you know, historically from minimal participants to thousands and thousands of people in huge convention halls to bring about teaching lessons, committee meetings, honor awards, and make it festive and celebratory perfect timing, great coverage, good visuals. It was stunning. It was a work of art. It was a documentation. You know, you guys hardly missed a beat putting this on as if you've done it for years, you know? And so my hats, if I had one, my hats is off (laughs) to you and your compadres here for uh, uh, making this uh, a, a huge success under the circumstances. And I think Maybe at the next convention, that's Kansas City, right? Yes, sir. Well, a wonderful uh, event there would be uh, to reconstruct in a seminar setting or, you know, in some kind of a a big hall meeting, how you managed to do that. The time constraints, pulling together all the strings to pull this off flawlessly. So I think that would be a, a, a super uh, a super idea to do that.
1: Well, that's a brilliant idea. Ironically, this morning at 9 a.m., Jeff Van Dusen, who really deserves uh, the, the the lion's share of the, the credit and then his amazing staff, they sent out a time lapse of everything that took place in the studios horse to make it work. So they've already taken some steps to be able to do exactly what you're talking about. Explain to everybody how we were able to pull it off. So I appreciate you saying that. As you sit here now, knowing what the association has meant to you, knowing that you're an honor award winner, knowing that you're now in the hall of fame when you, and you used to be called NSCAA. It's now called United soccer coaches. When you hear either of those NSCAA or United soccer coaches, what does it mean to Horace Richardson?
3: I think I joined in 67 as a rookie member, not knowing what it was all about. And uh, I think uh, during uh, the, um, uh, my speech for the uh, award ceremony. I mentioned how Joe Maroney at Middlebury College in the summer lent me a pair of soccer boots so I could compete on a student team there uh, in, in summer school in Vermont, Middlebury College. And uh, after the school was over, you know, he wanted to make sure that I gave him <laughs> the shoes back for his for his uh, fall inventory. And, that, and he's the guy who, at that time, said, listen, you're young and energetic and uh, going into the academic world, teaching and coaching. You know, you really ought to join that organization. And I did and became involved initially as a regional rep and out here in the Rocky Mountain West. I mean, who had heard uh, of soccer or, for that matter, you know, the Coaches Association. So I was sort of an early proponent for soccer and the association and drummed up some membership and became involved on committees, especially international activities that I was fond of. And so, you know, I kind of worked my way through that organization. Then, I mean, entirely a fraternity, of course, mostly still collegiate coaches. And then I I think to witness the growth from those early years. I think my membership number is something like 1,115 or something like that, (laughs) you know, and now we're talking 30,000 plus. That was uh, a most rewarding participatory event over all these years. And as I also said in my, you know, acceptance speech, uh, what what I'm proud of now, uh, you know, retired, is that how the foundation work of uh, the United Soccer Coaches is able to uh, grow funds, investment funds, and then uh, reach out and help uh, you know, struggling uh, fledgling programs like that Taoist project that uh, I mentioned earlier. I mean, is, is uh, well-deserving and so rewarding to be part of. I'm proud to have been sort of a, a minor cog in the machinery uh, over all these years and to have some of my own guys like Jay Engel, become involved in the service towards our soccer enthusiasm in this country, that I think has been especially rewarding.
1: That's so well said. That was so neat to have one of your former players actually present. And Horace, a credit to you. And, and with all due respect to Jay, you looked uh, every bit as good as Jay did actually receiving that. You look like it could have been reversed. So I'll end it with this uh, quick soundbite. You're enjoying retirement. You still look like you could do it. Do you ever get that itch horse to get back out there on the sideline and lead those young men?
3: Well, you know, about uh, four months from now, I'll be 80 years old, believe it or not. And my wife, Helen, and I, uh, you know, really missed sitting on the sidelines this fall to watch the team play. And the new coach, of course, is my former assistant. And, you know, we stay in touch. We talk. Yeah, the itch is definitely there, you know, and I I have to really hold myself back on the sidelines, not to go over there and say, now, hey, you know, I think you ought <laughs> to put this guy in, maybe, because <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's a real humdinger, but uh, uh, I I restrain myself, but uh, yeah, I try and keep up uh, with the team, and uh I don't know if you knew that I had actually, I had written a book with Helen about the history of Colorado college soccer, which uh, we're promoting to all the alums as a fundraiser. And it's a, it's a 350, page, 350 page narrative with a lot of stories and anecdotes and tall tales from players and friends of the program uh, over time. And so every time somebody purchases a book, you know, and I uh, sign a book and put it in the mail to him, I say, man, you know, that was a long time ago, you know, 1966? Wow. And he still thinks about the program. And so, You know, we have all these sons out there that we're so proud of. And for the most part, they've all become, you know, good citizens. And some of them even are involved in soccer. And so that has been a tremendous uh, part of of our lives. It's been great.
1: That is fantastic. I'm so glad you shared that with me. So let's end with this horse. I need the exact name of the book and where people can order it, because we need to promote all you did for Colorado College and all you've done for the game.
3: The name of the book is The History of Colorado College Soccer from 1950, when it was a club program, to 2015 when I retired. We have a website. It's available on our website, not on Amazon, but just, you know, out of our garage. (laughs) What's the website? Yeah, the website is uh, www.horst, my first name, H-O-R-S-T, and A-N-D, Helen, H-E-L-E-N, Books, plural. Horse and Helen Books.com. You ought to look it up. Horst books.com.
1: It's the history of men's soccer at Colorado college, 1950 to 2015 Horst and Helen Richardson, of course Horst an honor award winner. And now in the United soccer coaches hall of fame. Thanks for going down memory lane Horston And thanks for your honest answer about still wanting to give some advice to your coach. Now. I love that horse. That is <laughs> awesome. Pleasure <laughs> being with you. And uh, I hope to see you in Colorado sometime. I miss that place. Love that place
3: you come by and uh, I'll show you the place where the garden of the gods meets Pike's peak. Okay.
1: <laughs> that sounds perfect. Horse Richardson on the United soccer coaches podcast presented by team Step. Give our best to Helen. Okay. Much obliged. What a treasure horse Richardson admitting at 80 years old that he still has the fire to be coaching, even though he's retired. Coming up next, another winner at the recent digital convention, Brian white is the United soccer coaches National High School Assistant Coach of the Year, Brian White on the bounce.
0: College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for College Services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org college.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. If you've been listening to the show leading up to the digital convention and even after the digital convention, I continue to make time for the great award winners. That includes the National High School Assistant Coach of the Year. And I love that United Soccer Coaches picks out an assistant coach because all good head coaches know you can't get it done without a great assistant coach and the National High School Assistant Coach of the Year is Brian White, who coaches at St. Thomas Aquinas, and that is in Overland Park, Kansas, and Brian White, the winner of the United Soccer Coaches High School Assistant Coach of the Year, joins me now, Brian, thanks for being with me. Thank you, I'm glad to be on. Brian, when you got the call that you won this award, I'm wondering if you even knew it existed, but how excited were you?
4: I was very excited. I knew it had existed just because of following along with, you know, the stuff that the United Coaches Association does. But I was even more delighted when I had found out that I had been nominated. And then, of course, to uh, go on and win it is can't take that away at all. For me, it really was a crowning achievement to our team season that we had this year.
1: Well, I want to know about that season. Tell me about the season
4: we won our class which is 5a which is the second largest class in Kansas you know with everything going on in the world especially with uh, the COVID issues in sports and particularly soccer it was it was great because we had unbelievable team chemistry that I mean it's one of those seasons that you probably could have wrote a book about but then it'd be just another uh, cheesy sports novel probably on the shelf at Barnes and Noble but um It was just a great year, Uh, great kids, great families, and of course, a great coaching staff to work with.
1: All right, well, let's drop some names because uh, obviously I'm guessing your head coach was pretty pumped that you won this as well. Who is your head coach and your coaching staff?
4: His name is Craig Ewing. He's uh, kind of the uh, godfather of Aquinas, obviously of Aquinas soccer, but also uh, Kansas high school soccer, followed by another great assistant coach, and that's uh, Chuck Hammonds, who the three of us. I've been with them now 17 years, and those two have been together, I think, close to 30 years together. And then uh, not to mention our great JV coach, and that's a gentleman by the name of uh, Will Ragsdale.
1: You've been there a long time. You obviously fell in love with coaching. I'm guessing maybe you're also doing some other things, but I want to hear your story. You've got the platform right now. Fill in the blanks for me, Brian White.
4: Born and bred here in Kansas City. I grew up and had the privilege to play for a lot of quality coaches that really fostered my love of wanting to coach a gentleman by the name of Doug McClagan was my longtime club coach but I got to spend time around a lot of other quality coaches here in Kansas City such as guys like Gareth Pritchett and I even got the pleasure of one time getting to play for uh, Chico Borja who recently unfortunately just passed away but after that played high school at a Local high school here called Raytown High School. I gotta throw it out there since I saw you had the Lakers hat on. uh, home of Teron Liu. It's where he went to high school. After that, I went on to play at Baker University for three years, and then um, I kind of settled on and settled down and figured out that uh, coaching was what I wanted to do. So my last year wasn't. I didn't. I'll just be honest. I didn't train as hard as I needed to, and um, I was left out of the uh, the top twenty-two and thankfully some intervention from a close friend said hey the football team needs a kicker (laughs) I went to just see if I could still do it because I had done it a little in high school the next day I was uh, at a tryout for the football team and sadly but happily I never went I never went back to soccer I somehow gained an extra year of eligibility so I got to kick footballs for two years for the football program and needless to say the The friend was a very intimidating guy, so whatever he said, I needless to say, I I just went with.
1: Tell me about your (laughs) career path after college.
4: I was fortunate through um, connections I had made with people who I had played for and things of that nature that um, I got a co-head coaching job right out of college. I had been coaching some club in college for the Olathe Soccer Club here in Kansas City, um, which is now Kansas Rush. But I got a co-head coaching gig at Archbishop O'Hara, who is now a different name. But And I'll be honest, I was 23 and thought I I knew everything. I thought I was the next Bruce Arena. And I'll be honest, I was probably a little arrogant for that being so young and to get an opportunity like that. After that, I moved on to a different private school here in town, Pembroke Hill High School. And I coached the middle school team there for a year. And then um, strangely enough, it was the summer I guess it'd be almost 18 years ago now that uh, they needed a basketball coach at St. Thomas Aquinas. And I played a basketball growing up. So through basketball connections, I talked to the basketball coach and he said, Hey, but you're really a soccer coach, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, they happen to have an opening. Do you want to take it? And I said, I, I would love to, I coached the C team for one year. And then after that, I was uh, the next year I was the varsity assistant. So, been in that role ever since.
1: All right, so now that you're the National Assistant Coach of the Year as recognized by United Soccer Coaches, that's got to be a big moment. Is that number one? What's your all-time number one moment in the sport of soccer, Brian?
4: For me, selfishly, yeah, I'd have to say it is. Obviously, winning that award, you know, it takes a lot of people to help me get to that. The biggest thing probably soccer-wise is the success we've had in terms of on the field and then as well as kids moving on to play at the next level. At Aquinas, you know, we've been fortunate to win two national championships and we just wrapped up um, our number 16th state title. So it's been uh, the ride and the kids and the community and honestly, the, the friendships that have been made is probably the biggest achievement, I would say. Since you're right there
1: by United Soccer Coaches, you know the association well. Why do you like it so much? What do you like about United Soccer Coaches?
4: Well, the convention is always a good time. And and I encourage anyone who's never been, I know this year, obviously, it's a little different, but who has never been, it is a great experience to just, uh, you know, to meet and see guys that you look up to in the profession. But the biggest thing is just the wealth of resources that are available to us, whether it's trying to plan a session of how to defend the counterattack or how to go on the counterattack, whatever the the case may be, there is a, a, you know, an encyclopedia of, offerings for you to to look at and to try to learn from it's probably more the camaraderie and the com- community that the coaches association creates and again like i said the convention's a lot of that but it's just an unbelievable net network of people all pushing towards the same goal let's
1: end with this to be a great assistant coach and in your case the national assistant coach of the year it takes what help other great assistant coaches out there get better
4: brian I think the biggest thing is, is, is to not overstep your boundaries, be there to listen, but also don't just be a, a yes, man, offer, offer ideas. And, and if you don't, if you don't agree with something the head coach wants you, you communicate. And I, I, I guess probably the biggest thing is the ability to communicate amongst coaches. And as a staff, I can speak for us directly at Aquinas. That is probably the biggest thing. Thank the Lord for free text messaging. Cause if it was like the old days, we'd we'd be broke at Aquinas with the amount of text messages we send each other with ideas and questions we have within the game. Being able to communicate as well as not just being a yes man, being able to offer your own ideas as well as offer solutions within that. If
1: you were allowed to give a speech and if the parameters were, you really only have 15 seconds because really, Brian, I only want to hear names that you especially want to thank for getting you to the point where you were named the United Soccer Coaches High School Assistant Coach of the Year. Who are some names you'd have to squeeze in those 15 seconds, Brian White?
4: First off, Craig Ewing, Doug McClagan, Abdullah Parker, Greg Hurdlick, my best friend, Eric Jones, but probably most importantly, my family, and particularly my son, Mason White, because he allows me to do this and it allows me to take away time from him. So I'd have to give a huge and a big shout out and thank you to my family and to my son, Mason. There you go. You got it in 15 seconds. You got the names in there
1: as well, and you got young Mason in there. Brian White, the United Soccer Coaches High School Assistant Coach of the Year. Thanks for joining us on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thank you, Dean. Thank you for having me. And we end by meeting two more members of our 30 Under 30 class. Up first is Jacqueline Herrera. High school
0: coaches are presented unique challenges, both on and off the field of play. The United Soccer Coaches High School Diploma, now delivered in an all online format, supplies coaches with the knowledge needed to perform the distinctive role high school coaches play in the development of young players. This updated diploma takes a look at the ongoing duties of the high school coach and how to better prepare them for the responsibilities given to them in that position. For more information or to register, go to unitedsoccercoaches.org education.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap, another jam packed show. But I love ending the show, getting to meet another member of our 30 under 30 class today. It is Jacqueline Herrera. Jacqueline, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast.
5: Thank you for having me.
1: All right, Jacqueline. let's set everybody straight right now. You've got multiple jobs. Break down all the jobs you're doing right now in the soccer world.
5: Yeah, so I'm currently working at a, a Franklin Community High School as the assistant coach to the varsity team, two U11 teams and a U12 team. And then I just took on the position as the director of uh, the U11 through U14 girls.
1: Awesome. What is different about taking on that job as the director of that program?
5: So it will give me opportunities to get to work alongside, you know, other coaches and become a mentor to others. And it will also help push the girls from like our U-10, from like uh, we call them academy, like uh, girls uh, into our travel program. I think it will be very helpful as well in, in that process.
1: So glad to hear that you want to be mentor to others, because that's one of the key parts of the, not just the 30 under 30 program, Jacqueline, but United Soccer Coaches in general, sharing and mentoring, right?
5: Yeah, I think that our youth needs more leadership. They need girls and boys that they can look up to, and soccer gave me the best years of my life, and it continues to give me the best years of my life, and I want to be able to pass that on to every kid that jumps on my field.
1: All right, I wanna hear the best years of your life. Tell us where you grew up, brothers, sisters, tell us your youth club, maybe a big coach, tell us where you played college, tell us where you were before maybe you ended up here at the high school.
5: Yeah, so I'm from Kansas. I uh, moved here five years ago after graduating from Kansas State University. Um, I'm a twin. I have uh, two older sisters um, and an older brother, um, who unfortunately passed away about going on two years now, but uh, obviously still my brother. And then I have it's me and my twin brother. So I grew up with a big family. Our, our family's even bigger now. And um, I was the athletic one. I was the one who uh, was gifted with that. My my twin brother got the brains, um, but I got the, uh, I got the legs. So I played soccer throughout my whole entire life. Uh, I really wanted to go to Kansas State University. And unfortunately it didn't have the program that it has now. But I was able to try out for the, the club team and I played that for about two years, moved out here to Indiana, started coaching a rec team just for fun. I figured like, I know soccer, I could coach kids, right? So I started from, I think it was like my first group of kids was like U6. So talk about patience. So I think I was like 21, 22 at the time. Um, had no clue really. I you know, for us coaches, we think like, oh, we know the game, like, but it's it's a whole different environment to be able to keep the attention of of children. But I quickly realized, like, I'm good at this. Like, this is the one thing that I'm really good at. I'm passionate about it. So I wanted to make the most out of it. So from there, I was offered um, a girls travel team. I believe they were U11s, maybe U12s. And I haven't stopped coaching since. That's where it's led me to where I'm at now. And I, I love that. I wouldn't have it any other way.
1: All right, I'm going to ask you to dig deep on this one, Jacqueline. Your greatest memory so far as a soccer coach, any level. Greatest memory.
5: There's a lot. There's a lot of uh, uh, great memories um, with the girls, but I think – for me every thursday we get to have i I get to have all three of my teams probably sounds corny but um it's just getting to see all of the girls with each other um staying competitive and just enjoying the game we get to just play throughout the whole practice and that i think you know a lot of kids you know miss that um you know things are so structured all of the time they can be but i love that these girls can go on thursdays and just and just have fun with you know enjoy the game and to me i don't i it's not really like a memory i guess it's just like a day of the week that i really enjoy i have a lot of memories but I don't know if I, that's, a, that's a good one. I don't know if I have like a specific one that I can think of right now.
1: Well, but you're living in the moment. So speaking of moments, what made you want to apply for 30 Under 30? And then if you remember, follow up with how you reacted when you learned that you actually were part of the club.
5: Yeah, so um, last year during the uh, the convention, I was sitting uh, next to my DOC, uh, Matt, and I don't even know if he remembers this, but they were talking about the 30 under 30 program. And he's like, you're going to be on that next year. And I said, I don't even know what that is, but sure, like, that sounds cool. And so then I got an email about, you know, the registration or you could apply now. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to look into this. And I asked Matt, I was like, Matt, do you think that I should apply? He's like, of course, like you're more than uh, capable of, of earning that. And so I applied not thinking much. I have always told myself, just be genuine, be yourself. And that will take you a long ways. And, and it has worked for me so far. It was really cool the questions they ask. And I was really able to kind of tell my story. And I think that I've never really been able to do before. And when I got it, I was, I was surprised. But at the same time, I was like, I think I have uh, well-deserved of this. And I'm excited for it. I, I know I, I want to take this as far as I can. And, and the more education and the more mentorship that I get, the better uh, I will be for, for every kid.
1: We're here with Jacqueline Herrera, one of the 30 under 30 members. I always like to ask this crystal ball question. Clearly you care about education, you care about coaching. Do you have like a vision for where you want to be 10 years from now, Jacqueline?
5: coaching on a field, (laughs) winning a lot of games. I'm kidding. That was the only success, right? Yeah. I would love to be on a field coaching somewhere. I keep saying college will be the furthest that I, I go, but I think with the drive that I have with it now, if I continue that, who knows where it will take me, but it will be somewhere on a field.
1: Finally, Jacqueline, if you weren't coaching on a field, what would you be doing or along those lines, what are the things that you like to do?
5: I wasn't coaching on the field uh you know I get that question a lot a lot of my friends like they see how busy my schedule is and they're like wouldn't you uh want to like you know go to the lake on the weekend stuff like that I'm like I mean I, I I've always believed that if you hustle hard at a young age uh later on um if if life permits um I can enjoy the the life at a lake I would probably maybe spend more time with family not that I don't already but I would Probably be somewhere with my family, vacationing, enjoying some water. And and, uh, and that, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> life without soccer, I can't imagine it. <laughs> uh, but it'd be somewhere relaxing, that's for sure.
1: Okay, well, because life with soccer is so important to you, the last question, you're just going to fill in the blank. To me, Jacqueline Herrera, United Soccer Coaches means what?
5: Mentorship, I would say that. I would say mentorship, I would say it means um, opportunities it means uh, the ability to continue to you know, feed into my success into just literally my brain. And so I can continue to learn and, and, and develop uh, great soccer players.
1: Jacqueline Herrera, I like your spunk. I like your fire. Congratulations on being a member of the 30 Under 30 class. Good luck with your bright future.
5: All right. Thank you so much.
1: Stay with us. We're not done. We meet one more member of the 30 Under 30 class after this message.
0: Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs.
1: Welcome back to a jam-packed United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. We end with another visit with a member of our great 30 Under 30 class. I love this segment. We're joined by Sonia Bosma, who's the assistant coach for the University of Hawaii Women's Soccer team, so she's coming to me early from Hawaii. Sonia, thanks for being on the podcast.
6: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, we're delighted to have you. So, first off, tell us what made you want to be a part of the thirty under thirty class.
6: I mean, it's such an honor to obviously be selected out of so many amazing candidates. So for me, it's it's more of a learning opportunity, and you know, I've been paired up with a really great mentor, and she's been really f- phenomenal with you know communicating with me every week and. That's the biggest thing for me. Is just uh, yeah, I'm kind of in the learning phase of, of my coaching career right now. So uh, this is just another tool for me to continue learning and, and develop as a young coach. And
1: when you got the email or the phone call that said you were part of the thirty under thirty class, who was the first person you reached out to?
6: Definitely my partner, <laughs> um, and and told her about it. But then you know um, I reached out to Michelle because uh, Michelle is the head coach at the University of Hawaii and. Uh, she's the, really the one that pushed me to apply for this because I was like, no, no, ch- I have no chance. There's no way I'm gonna even, you know, I didn't even really think about applying. And she's like, hey, I think you got a cool story, and I think you l- learn a lot from this. So then I called her, and you know, I was like, coach, I'm so excited. You know, it was it was an exciting moment. So, <laughs> and then yeah. my parents, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, mom and dad, you gotta call mom and dad. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. <laughs> mom and dad, no matter what. Indeed. All right. Well, you know, like your coach said, you've got a great story. I want to hear your story. It's fun. We had a little fun before we went on the air and I said, man, you look like you're from Hawaii and you're like, well, actually I'm not. I started in Sierra Leone. Let's get the whole story, where you started, where you ended up, how you got there, where you played, where you coached. Don't leave
6: anything out. Okay. Ooh, that's a lot. Hey, but <laughs> I was, uh, I was born and raised in uh, West Africa, Sierra Leone. We, we came over here um because we 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 would you know we fled the country because of because there was a civil war going on at the time from 1990 it, you know I was young but 1990s all the way to really when we came to this country so it was just you know constant constant running running away from war and whatnot so I'm um, I'm really blessed to be in in this country and to be one of the lucky ones that actually you know to be here. It's a beautiful place, but it it. Um, it definitely was, uh, it, you know, it was rough for, for our family. So um, again, really blessed to be here. So then I came into the States in 2001 or 2002, one of the two. I, I don't really remember. I was young. 10 or 11, you know, went to middle school here, high school here in Massachusetts, in Littleton, Mass, really small, small town, you know, learned a lot from there. That was, you know, I I wouldn't have asked to to have grown up in any other place, you know, started learning the English language because it was my third language at the time and picked it up really quickly, thankfully, got into playing soccer, you know, because it wasn't ever a thing back home, just because obviously with the situation but also it's, you know, football back home is not really a a thing for, for, for women or girls really. So I was always just playing with the, with the boys in the streets, but, nothing ever organized. So anyway, when I came here in middle school, high schools started, uh, started playing organized football and, uh, you know, went into high school and uh, graduated and played at Montgomery college to the junior and then played at at AIC for, for two more years. And then after that played a a semi-professional team. And then quickly after just pretty much became a coach um, at Nichols college, a graduate assistant initially, but then quickly got promoted to being a head coach. And so I stayed at Nichols for about a year and a half as a head coach, and then became um, a head coach at a Division II school at Northern Michigan University for three years, and then moved up to Division One. now as an assistant at the University of Hawaii. And so I'm here.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Hawaii, I've been there. Like It is so awesome. It's one of those places where you go and you're like, you really don't want to leave, right? How's your experience been head of Hawaii? Cause it's a pretty special place.
6: Yeah, it's been pretty awesome. Um, obviously uh, with the circumstances now with COVID it's, you know, a lot of things were shut down initially when I came here. So we didn't get to really explore the place as much as we wanted. It's beautiful. I mean, the weather's always great. And there's, you know, a lot of great hikes here and the beaches. I mean, I'm literally falling in love with the beach. I, I feel like I'd go sick if I don't go to the beach every couple of weeks now. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's awesome. The, you know, obviously the, the, the thing that I kind of missed out on a little bit is, you know, I wish we had a season, but everybody wishes they had a season. So, you know, we're, but we've been, we've been trying to stay as engaged as possible with our athletes during these challenging times.
1: Well, it's interesting. You talk about challenging times Mm because once we do get through this, Hawaii is this incredible destination, but being in Hawaii and trying to be competitive in sports, it's not easy because the travel is ridiculous and what that's got to do to the bodies, you know, of your players and all of that. Can you just talk a little bit about how your players manage that? Because I mean, really, it's it's not easy, is
6: it? Those are long flights for sure, and um, you know, the head coach always tells that to, our, to to the recruits that we're talking to, that we talk to, you know, we warn them and you got to have a, a, definitely a tough mentality when you come here and it's, it's no secret, but again, I haven't really experienced it yet because we haven't really kicked off a season, but from what I hear from the other coaches, it's, it's not easy and the players as well. It's not easy, um, but it's definitely doable and it, it forces you to be mentally stronger and you have to adapt, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of what we tell the, the recruits that are coming in like, Hey, this is, we laid out on the table. Hey, this is what you're going to face here at Hawaii. These are the good things. here are the, here are the challenges. Um, and yeah, travel is definitely one of them. But like I said, I haven't experienced it yet because of the, uh, because of COVID, but um, I'm excited to. <laughs> so
1: I know that because United soccer coaches advocates and they're about diversity. I know that's important to you, right?
6: Absolutely. The diversity is so important more and more. I think our country is heading in that, direction of being a little like a lot more inclusive and especially women's soccer, United soccer coaches. And for me hitting a lot of those boxes, you know, it's such an honor to be a part of something like this, you know, cause you, you get to see different, different faces, um, different stories and, and, and hear different experiences. And I think that's really important. Why did you want to be a coach, Sonia? To help prepare individuals for the real world. That's simply put everything that we talk about, we, you know, you and I touch base on the mental toughness piece one of my goals is to become you know mentally tough athletes mentally tough people as much as possible we get so many young girls that come into the into the college system and they're you know they're very naive very young and to see that that transition every year and to see them develop every year mentally is, for me, is probably one of the most rewarding things as a coach, you know, because then after that, those four years, you kind of breathe a little bit and you're excited for them to be able to face challenges and obstacles, uh, you know, when they graduate. Definitely that mental tough piece to to get our athletes as mentally ready and prepared for the real world as much as possible. That's kind of my goal. It's what I strive to to do and to give back to the game as a coach.
1: Sonia, thank you so much for being a member of the 30 Under 30 and for being on the show. I do appreciate it.
6: Thank you so much, Dean.
1: Certainly want to thank Sonia as well as her fellow 30 Under 30 member Jacqueline Herrera and our other guests, Paul Kennedy, Hall of Famer Horace Richardson, and Brian White, winner of the United Soccer Coaches High School Assistant Coach of the Year. Also want to thank Bailey Conklin, Sean Chevrolet, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. I want to thank Colin Thrash and each and every one of you for listening. I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
0: Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.